Welcome to the Middle Age-ish Podcast, authentically and unapologetically keeping it real, discussing all things Middle Age-ish, a time when metabolism slows and confidence grows. Join fashion and fitness entrepreneur Ashley Badoski, former Celtic woman and founder of the Lisa Kelly Voice Academy, Lisa Kelly, licensed psychologist and mental health expert, Dr. Pam Wright, and highly sought-after cosmetic injector and board-certified nurse practitioner, Trisha Kennedy-Roman. Join your hosts on the journey of Middle Age-ish. Hello, and welcome back to Middle Age Podcast. I'm Trisha Kennedy-Roman, and I'm joined here today with my co-host, Ashley Badosky, Lisa Kelly, and Dr. Pam Wright. And we are looking forward to this episode because we're going to be talking with women's health and hormone expert, Dr. Lena Zinkov, and that is really great for us middle-aged women. Yes. I want to know about those night sweats, even with my bamboo sheets. You're kidding. No, even I I cursed you this morning. I was like, she lied. (laughs) That is shocking. I know. Even now, they might not have been very good quality bamboo sheets, but I tried them and they were lovely all week, but I woke up like with Mm -hmm. a Well, I do think I should have said that, I mean, I still have every so often where I'll wake up hot, but where before I got the bamboo sheets and the weighted bamboo blanket, yes. for those that are interested, it is like a gift from heaven. Yep. I would wake up every single night with night sweats and so hot. And then it would take me forever to go back to sleep. But when I found the bamboo sheets and that they're cooling, they bamboo, are so yes, cool. So that now it's just, I don't, it's hit or miss. I mean, okay. I could go two weeks without it. And then I, I'll have a night where I just wake up and I'm just hot or whatever. But as soon as I turn over, the sheets are so cool that then I get to, I can go back to sleep, which I think that was huge for me because before the magical sheets arrived <laughs> on my doorstep, <laughs> uh, delivered by Santa. Nice. I know. It was it was just amazing. I mean, I couldn't go back to sleep because I it's hard to get your body back cool when you're in that raging hot. Yeah. I need you're, one of those split thermostat beds. Oh, because he's like uh, a yes. little baby chick that needs like a heat lamp on him <laughs> and I am dying and we go back like I'll go turn That's down the, the temperature and he'll the t- yes he is he's like a little baby chick with a little heat lamp but I mean, he's he is cold all the time and I'm yeah. hot all the time yes and it is horrible I'm cold all the time you're See, my cold has, all the time I'm all cold all the time all the time I'm burning up right now yeah I'm burning well, up well we all know that I'm gonna I mean you know I'm gonna we're all gonna be red by the end except Pam Pam won't be red I will not be here. She's I'll just going to be cool, calm, and collected. And but they were sweating. saying that they were talking, like one of the podcasts I was talk- listening to, they were saying that though as well, that that's like the perimenopause, the sign of uh, the uh, hormones mm-hmm. as well, isn't always being hot. It's cold. It's like that. that's usually a sign that mm-hmm. th- things are changing. With you. Were you always cold though? Always cold. Easy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Always I've cold. always been hot, roasting. <laughs> It's funny how people prefer the cold or the hot. I always prefer it to be hot. I'm always like, you can take clothes off. I seriously have the ceiling fan. The thermostat is set on 66. And I have an additional fan that sits on my nightstand and blows right into your face. face. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't have it's, a ceiling fan though. Maybe I need to get Scott to put a ceiling fan. But I know there are people who like travel with their fans. Um, like oh, they yeah. literally will take fans Hi. to hotels. <laughs> of course, um, Ashley. I, I, yes. Let me just raise my hand and say mm-hmm. I absolutely <laughs> travel. I can I can only imagine when I go through and they're opening my bag in TSA and they're like, okay, what how <laughs> many fans what does she, she need? <laughs> what where's she going? <laughs> where's that buzzing coming from? <laughs> Oh my gosh, I forgot to turn it off. I would love to see the people's faces that open up my suitcase. Oh, I delayed for, so, mm-hmm. for so many different reasons. <laughs> yes. 
We're just going to talk about the fan. <laughs> there's fans. I mean, what is this person doing? <laughs> That's true. I had a lady beside me on the plane once. Who, she was just like, you know, I, I hate talking to people on the plane. So I'm like, really? oh, yeah. So I sat down on the plane and she was really, really nice. And she was beside me and she says to me, do you mind? And she reaches down and pulls like a buzzing out of her, <laughs> her bag. And I'm going, oh, God, what's she going to take out? So anyway, she takes this out. <laughs> but it's this personal fan. Oh, yeah. That she sits oh. with. And I, I just kept looking at her and she's like, girl. I was like, oh my gosh, so I did. I went home and I got one. But oh I yeah, lost no, it. I tra- I travel with one when oh. I go to the football games. Yeah, oh, I'd need, I couldn't. I'm so glad my oh kids my don't do outdoor sports here. Oh my gosh, oh, I'd be it's, so grumpy. I mean, yeah. how long does this heat stuff last? Well, that's that's. I, thought, I mean, I'm we like, need to ask that question. Curious like, about how that. long are we in this for? Yeah. Well, let's ask those questions right now because Dr. Alina is now here to join us. She's here for us to question everything we think we know about women's health and hormones. As a physician and women's health advocate with over 20 years of experience in nutrition and exercise science, she empowers women to be their best health advocates. Focusing on a person's story first and foremost, she combines science, foundations of health, evidence-based medicine, and a healthy dose of reality. She is committed to helping women around the world balance their hormones and transform their lives through her online educational platform, drlinazinkov.com. We are so honored to have you here with us, Dr. Lena. Hello and welcome to Middle Ages Podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So nice to see you. You too. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're good. We're very excited to talk to you. I know. You know, anytime I say hormones to women, I have all their attention. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. That's what we were just talking about. Like, yes. I saw that you now have the women's health education on your website. Yeah. So we would love to know what that entails. Yeah, absolutely. So my online education platform has really been born from my one-on-one work with women. And my desire with launching that educational platform this past year, you know, it's been in the making for the past decade. And I officially launched it this year as a way to really take what I've learned, what I've discovered, and that one-on-one approach and make it available to all women. Because hormones are so complex And not many physicians understand it. Not many women understand how to approach their provider, even if they're open-minded to talk about hormones. And so I wanted to take kind of this secret knowledge in a way and allow women to have access to it. And I provide basically educational material. So this is everything from classes, which are a little bit shorter, to courses to do a deeper dive. And we cover everything and anything as it relates to women's health. So this includes hormone replacement therapy, bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, thyroid issues, gut issues, UTIs, yeast infections, all of those things. And even interviewing different providers and different experts in the field and doing kind of a deep dive into the different health topics and women's health. So it's really my ability and my desire to take everything that I know and share it with as many people as I can. That's, that's amazing. Awesome. Yeah, that's have great. you always focused on women and women's health? I have a background. I used to play professional sports, semi-professional sports. I grew up as a competitive tennis player. And so a lot of my life was influenced by nutrition and, and sports medicine. So when I actually went to medical school, my calling was pain management originally, and it is helping people reduce inflammation and reduce joint pain and any sort of muscle tears, anything joint related, muscle connective tissue related. What was interesting as I was 
working with a lot of women, women, female athletes, they started to come to me and wanted me to talk to them about weight loss and hormones. So yeah, they would maybe come in for pain, but they were more interested in every, all the other things that I was talking to them about, including hormones and, and gut. And I always like to say that hormones and endocrinology and women's health, that field found me. So when you talk about gut health, I hear that term a lot. How much do you feel like our gut health influences our overall health in general? That's a good question. Yeah. A lot of people will say that the root cause of everything is our gut. And even though our gut, what we eat, inflammation in our gut, what we're exposed to, of course, that affects how we feel, our mental health, our hormone health, our motivation. I don't ever want to say that something is the only root cause Mm -hmm. for how we are and for our health because our bodies and our systems, they're a lot more complicated. And it's not just as simple as like, oh, yeah, of course, everything just tie everything back to the gut. There's just it's our health is a lot more complex. And so if anyone makes that statement, I usually I, I don't like extremes in medicine. If someone says this is the direct root cause or, you know, that therapy works better than anything else and should be the only therapy. Always be aware of extremes and extreme statements when it comes to medicine. So gut health is by far one of the first places that we should start when we're looking to optimize our energy, when we're looking to improve our mood, when we're looking to improve hormone health and hormone balance. And the reason for that is a lot of things, including hormones in our body, they require nutrients to function properly. So if we get down to the cellular level, you might even have optimal amounts of a certain hormone, but if your cells don't have the proper nutrients to do whatever that hormone is asking the cell to do, you're not going to be able to get the same effect. You're not going to be able to get the desired effect. So it starts with, we need to improve food breakdown, absorption, and also elimination because even in the case of like estrogen dominance, for example, we want to make sure that we're eliminating and having regular bowel movements so that we don't have this toxic buildup of estrogens and other toxins that can mimic estrogen. And so gut health is extremely important. And it's one of the first places to start in terms of reducing inflammation, improving nutrient absorption, because even if we think about nutrients and hormones, a lot of nutrients serve as like cofactors and things that help one hormone get transferred and transformed into a different hormone, like pregnenolone requires B5 and B6 to be converted to progesterone. And so if you don't have enough B5 or B6, you might not be able to facilitate that conversion naturally. So gut health is important. Is it always the root cause of illness or lack of wellness? I don't think so. It's usually a little bit more complicated than that. But I always, always address gut health with all my clients and always suggest that women or or men, they jump into um, cleanses too prematurely. For example, you hear about, oh, let's do a gut cleanse. Let's bind up toxins and all of these things. And I suggest that people do a proper evaluation. Like, let's take a look at your gut. Do you really need to do a gut cleanse? Do you really need a probiotic? How about digestive enzymes? So do a little bit greater workup because we have access to that testing before you jump into fancy cleanses and things like that. Those are everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they are. Yeah, they are the different juices and cleanses. And you can do more harm than good with all of these things. You know, it's, you can ruin microbiome or the flora that's in your gut uh, when you really don't need to. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it's good to always invest into professional opinion to see whether or not you actually need something. And where do people like, 
you know, where do people go to find that out? So if you're trying to find people locally and like what yeah. kind of doctor is it that you tend to go to? Because there seems to be so many doctors around that do different things. Well, I'm always confused going, OK, well, do I see that person or do I see mm-hmm. this person? Do I need a dietitian? Do I need a nutritionist? It's so hard to know. It takes a village. Yeah. <laughs> Always. All of the above. Yes. All, of the, All above. of the above. You know, there's different organizations that you can go to, and I'll mention a couple of them too that can be really helpful. So I really like the Institute for Functional Medicine. And I think it's ifm.org. You can actually look up functional medical healthcare providers. So they can be medical doctors, they can be functionally trained dietitians, nutritionists, chiropractors. I do have to say that functional medicine has become quite a bit diluted. We have different training, and so we're not all created equal. However, it's a really great place to start, and you're going to get more out of that experience by trying to find a functional healthcare provider through the Institute for Functional Medicine than you would really anywhere else. And then another organization that I would encourage people to visit or look into is the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. So this is where you can look up and see which naturopathic physician is in your area, if they do in-person, if they do telemedicine. So you can have access to the best of both worlds. You can have both a functional healthcare provider and or a naturopathic doctor on your team to help you order some of these functional lab tests so that you can start peeling that the so many intricate layers of the onion to kind of get to the root cause of what you're experiencing in your symptoms. That's amazing. Yeah. We are all perimenopausal. And I'm full. I think there's I'm full on. I think there's a lot of questions uh, as far as the difference between hormone replacement versus bioidentical hormone. Yes. Let's just take the confusion out of all of this. And I love the name of the podcast, Middle Ages. We're all like where we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all perimenopause-ish is where I would <laughs> put it too. So hormone replacement therapy implies synthetic hormones. So this is, let's say, birth control. Sometimes birth control is prescribed as a hormone replacement treatment. This applies to progestin. Sometimes when women are going through perimenopause or in in menopause, they're prescribed progestin, as an example, instead of bioidentical progesterone. The main difference between hormone replacement and bioidentical hormone replacement therapy is that bioidentical hormones, they mimic your own hormone production. So in chemical structure, they mimic what your body would produce on its own. And compared to synthetic hormones, bioidentical hormones, they reduce the risk of cardiovascular disease. They reduce the risk of neurodegenerative disease, including dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's. So bioidentical hormones compared to hormone replacement therapy it, it should be the gold standard in medicine for hormone prescription. Does that make sense? Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Very interesting. People really are, I think, disheartened with the hormone replacement. I mean, I, I know I hear my practice, yeah. it doesn't work. We don't like it. You know, the side effects, those kind of things. So what's the best way yeah. to go about finding those providers? So even if you go to a functionally trained healthcare provider or to a naturopath, it doesn't mean that they're always going to prescribe bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. And I see a lot of naturopaths who put women on birth control. I still see a lot of functional medical providers that still opt for progestin or even make the mistake of 
prescribing estradiol on its own. Estradiol is a very important hormone, but it is very potent and can be somewhat of a bully in a female body. And so we never want it to be prescribed on its own. And this is where just education comes in. And that's why I'm so passionate about even my online education platform, which is where I teach women to be on the lookout for the things that they're provider is prescribing. So women can ask questions. Is the hormone that you're prescribing, is it bioidentical hormone or is it synthetic hormone? And that's a really easy way for a doctor to answer. It's either or, right? It's a yes or a no. And I always tell my clients, I'm only prescribing bioidentical hormones. The only time a person should ever be prescribed synthetic hormones is if it's thyroid hormone, because thyroid hormone is not a sex hormone. Yeah. When it comes to thyroid hormones, there are so many different ways to prescribe thyroid. We've got more natural glandular products, for example, like Armor or NP Thyroid. We also have brand thyroid products like Tyrosint and Synthroid or Cytomel, which is T3 medication. And then we have generic and like levothyroxine and leothyronine. A lot of us have heard those, um, either our parents or we're taking them or, you know, a girlfriend is taking them. And, and a lot of women in my practice want the more natural. Well, I want the glandular one. I don't want the generic one because there's this idea that if it's generic, it's somehow inferior. Mm-hmm. and or brand is more superior. And that's not the case when it comes to thyroid hormone. There's also compounded thyroid hormone, which is essentially made in a compounded pharmacy from scratch, free of any allergens. And so that really becomes an option if someone has, let's say, dairy sensitivity, gluten sensitivity. And unfortunately, a lot of the medications out there, they can be contaminated in the manufacturing process or have additives or fillers that a person who has a lot of sensitivities or a lot of allergens can be exposed to and can have negative side effects, that's where compounded medications come in because it's really an opportunity for people to have access to medications that are allergen-free. However, when it comes to thyroid, it's really just about finding the right product that works for you. So when it comes to thyroid, synthetic is okay. It's Okay. okay to use synthetic hormones and don't fear if your provider puts you on a synthetic thyroid hormone. It's really about finding what works for you. When it comes to sex hormones like estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone, this is where I kind of mentioned where you have to ask your provider. It doesn't matter if they're functional medicine trained or conventional. It does not matter. Make sure that they're prescribing bioidentical hormones only. And you are never prescribed. I can't believe that I still see this happening in medicine. Make sure that your physician never just prescribes estrogen, let's say an estradiol patch or an estradiol cream without progesterone on board because progesterone, it buffers estrogen activity. It is cancer protective. It offsets the risk factors that come with estrogen. And so it really breaks my heart when I hear women who had a negative experience with bioidentical hormone replacement and hormone replacement because their physician just totally did not manage their care very well. Um, women have gotten cancer or have been at increased risk for cancer because they were just prescribed estradiol. They did mm-hmm. not, they were not prescribed. So yeah. I hear that progesterone. all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's unfortunate because that is so preventable. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times physicians will just take a weekend course on hormone replacements and then they get the green light to go and start prescribing these hormones. 
And so I think it's really important to also understand what's the track record that the physician has, what's their education, and what is their background in hormone replacement or bioidentical hormone replacement, and also what's their success rate and how do they manage failure. Because, for example, I always teach physicians and I always tell my clients or the women who I teach is that your physician should always start you on the lowest possible dose. Mm -hmm. And so it becomes really important to understand, besides is your provider prescribing bioidentical hormones, are they also starting you on a low dose? Is it a reasonable dose? I always want my clients and women who are on hormone therapy to feel comfortable that they can reach out to the physician and communicate that, hey, is this normal? Am I supposed to experience these negative side effects? And I always tell my clients, if you have any sort of negative side effects, please reach out. I want you to feel completely supported and comfortable through this whole process. It's normal that, especially in women in perimenopause, as our hormones start to fluctuate and decline, it's normal to feel a little bit more agitated or irritated um, or have experienced some water retention when we start introducing hormones. And that could be temporary, but you don't know if that's temporary unless the provider communicates that to you. So it's really good to also have your provider set the expectations and have them walk you through the process of how are they going to troubleshoot if hormone replacement backfires or doesn't work right away out of the gate. I do think that's important because I know a lot of friends that when they've been prescribed these different things and they call and they do have side effects, it's just like, oh, well, you'll get over it. It's just normal. And it's kind of almost dismissive, Mm -hmm. which I think is probably the worst reaction that you can get when you already feel isolated. So I think that those are excellent points. Thank you. Yeah. One of the things that I think women have had enough of is feeling that what they experience is normal and also not being heard. By their yes. physician. Mm-hmm. At, Amen. At the end of the day, people know, women know their bodies better than anyone else. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they and have the to physician, advocate for themselves. Yeah. yeah. It's so true to, to kind of know, as you said, you know your body, you know when something mm-hmm. feels off or feels strange, and you really have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. So obviously hormones are a big issue with our age group, but what would you say is another really big issue that people come to you middle ages to work on? I would say other issues. Women struggle with libido, and it may be or may not be hormone-related. That is a really big change that happens for women in perimenopause that then affects their relationships. And so a lot of times we, let's say if it is hormonal, then sometimes boosting testosterone helps. But sometimes we have to look at the actual relationship dynamics. For a lot of times for women in perimenopause, it's a time when there's reflecting on what they want to do with their life and what's the next step in their life. And sometimes kids are growing up and um, it starts to affect their relationship. And so part of my job sometimes is actually to decipher, well, is it really hormonal or do we need to maybe bring like a couple's therapist on board? Because it's a lot of times we just want to blame it on low testosterone when in reality, I sometimes get women's testosterone levels up and they're still unhappy in their relationship and their libido is still low. And so because it's such an important topic and it's such a hot topic, it's not as easy to say, oh, it's just hormone related or it's not. So that would be another thing that I think I work with a lot of women on and I do a lot of referrals to couples therapists is that 
because relationships play such a significant role in our mental health and our day-to-day just life and quality of life that is a big concern for women in perimenopause. Yeah, I would say a lot of my clients, so I'm a psychologist, but a lot of my clients come in and, oh, yes. and they take medications, right? So they're on SSRIs. But as you know, the side effect of SSRIs could be low sex drive. And so in treating something like depression, are there things that you would recommend that may be an alternative for SSRIs or things that would not affect libido or sex drive? That's a really great question, which kind of goes back to answering the other question, which was what are some of the other things, right? Besides hormones that women come in to see me for, which is so interesting because hormones, they it's so hard for me to answer that because hormones in the end is almost the common denominator mm-hmm. in the things that I see. So a lot of times depression can be confused or mistaken for hypothyroidism. And anxiety can simply be low progesterone, right? And I already mentioned low libido can potentially be actually low estrogen and then low testosterone. And so with depression, if it really is depression, let's say, I do think one of the first places to look at is, of course, diets. If we're eating a standard American diet, we're not providing ourselves with the building blocks for healthy neurotransmitter production Mm -hmm. because 80% of serotonin is produced in the gut. So if we're eating the standard American diet or the SAD diet and there's inflammation in the gut and we're unable to produce adequate amounts of serotonin, then we're not getting that signal to the brain, right? We don't have optimal levels of serotonin. In terms of diets, that's one of the other things besides hormones that I work a lot with women because I want to optimize especially in perimenopause, ladies, we got to start eating more protein. We got to start actively building that muscle. We have to get a baseline for what our muscle mass is. And if we're at a minimum below between 62 to 72%, we have to get after it because it's harder to build muscle as we get older. And we have to make sure that we go into that next phase of our life metabolically healthy. And again, going back to depression, exercise becomes huge, Mm -hmm. right? If we're living more of a sedentary lifestyle and we're not getting that endorphin boost through exercise, through actively breaking a sweat for 20 to 30 minutes per day, then jumping to an SSRI or another antidepressant medication only does more harm, right? Because then uh, with a lot of times with antidepressant medication, you almost feel more lethargic. Mm -hmm. You're more numb to what's happening around you, but you feel almost more more fatigued and, and more lethargic and just not as in tune with or less reactive to the surrounding environment. So diet, exercise, balancing hormones, because actually, for example, progesterone, it affects GABA receptors in the brain. And GABA is very important in depression. GABA is also very important in anxiety. A lot of women tend to fluctuate between depression and anxiety, and sometimes anxiety leads to depression. And again, hypothyroidism is very Mm -hmm. common. It can you know, sometimes what is being treated, people who are treated for depression should actually be, you know, their thyroid should be looked into, and they might actually have either subclinical hypothyroidism, which is where they have normal labs, but they don't feel normal. And they have all the signs of slow metabolism, including depression, and brain fog and low energy, or they might flat out have hypothyroidism, or they're on the verge of hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. We were talking about weight loss and how obviously weight loss is very different game. In middle yeah, the age. weight gain in yes. middle age is mm-hmm. legit. <laughs> yeah. So how to address that for women who are listening in yeah. our middle age? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I don't know about you guys, but I am so frustrated about how the conversations 
are dominated by men saying it's calories in calories out. Mm -hmm. That's what it comes down to. And it's frustrating to hear that from sports medicine, sports nutritionists who just say, look, the physiology is basic is that if you are in a caloric deficit, you will lose weight. And we're in a room with women who at some point have tried the caloric deficit route and know that they have either lost weight and did not keep it off or they did not lose any weight. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. the frustration in perimenopause is that either your metabolism slows down and we can actually, one of the ways that we can look at this is actually looking at our body temperature, because as we age, we also lose thyroid function. So it's becomes a chicken or the egg. Is it perimenopause or is it thyropause? Is it menopause or is it thyropause? Because declining thyroid hormones can also lead to declining reproductive hormones. And estrogen, for example, is also really important for lipid metabolism, for carbohydrate metabolism. So it becomes really important that we don't just focus on calories in and calories out, especially in women, especially in perimenopausal women, because that's not the equation for weight loss for us. And I, I can't believe that I'm still hearing these things, just like I can't believe I still see estradiol being prescribed without progesterone, so unopposed, and I'm still hearing this be in a caloric deficit to lose weight, right? Because it's just, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't work for a lot of women. It works for some women, but not for all women. So when it comes to weight loss, I, you know, getting your hormones checked and getting your hormones balanced, thyroid is very critical for managing your metabolism. If on average, your body temperature is below 98.6, that can point towards a thyroid issue. So I sometimes even use body temperature as an indicator of which direction are we moving toward when we're on thyroid medication. So I'll use labs, I'll use how my patient is feeling, I'll also use the body temperature and the fluctuations to see if the medication is working, including heart rate. The second thing is definitely shifting our diet and being more on the protein heavier side. So I generally suggest that let's say if a woman is 140 pounds and she wants to be 120 pounds, then we want to make sure that we're getting at least 120 grams of protein per day. And ideally, we want to make sure that our protein total per meal is at least 30 grams. And the reason why we want at least 30 grams of protein is because muscle is a sensory organ. In order to build muscle, we need to exercise. So we need to tear the muscle fibers in order to rebuild. And we also need to fuel our muscle. And because muscle is a sensory organ, it senses the amount of amino acids that are passing through the bloodstream. And that minimum amount is about 30 grams that you need for muscle to build. And so if you're looking to get at least 120 grams of protein in a day, that could be 40 grams of protein over three meals or 30 grams of protein over over four meals, Mm -hmm. just to get to the 120 grams. Protein shakes are easy to supplement with. I joke that if you had enough salmon or grilled chicken and you can just can't eat any more animal protein, for example, or you're vegetarian or vegan, then you know, supplementing with protein shakes just to get to that number can be really beneficial. And in terms of carbs, I don't have a set number because a lot of women are so different. It really depends on your energy levels. It depends on how well you're sleeping, how active you are. You know, on average, an American eats about 300 grams of carbs per day, which is huge. That's a lot lot of carbs. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's a huge amount when, you know, I, I compare carbohydrates to rocket fuel. We need them for energy, but unlike rockets that actually use the fuel, we actually store 
yeah. that fuel mm-hmm. as that. And so we have to be really, I don't want to say cautious, but I would say mindful mm-hmm. about when we use them, right? So if I'm training harder, if I'm working out with a trainer or do my group fitness classes, and I know that I'm pushing myself more than I normally would. And I notice that my energy is starting to tank a little bit, but I'm hitting my macros in terms of protein, then I'll incorporate more complex carbohydrates. I might do, instead of doing like a super heavy protein meal in the morning, I'll still try to get the 30 grams of protein, but I'll add like overnight oats or potatoes to my egg scramble or incorporate like a quinoa dish right? That also has that 30 grams of protein doesn't have to be a lot. But I will have women test out where do they feel the best in terms of carbohydrates, because some women, I don't believe that keto is the way. Mm-hmm. So for some women, they, you know, they won't do me either. Yeah, yeah. So you'll see a lot of um, books being published when it comes to women's health and weight loss that support more of the keto based diet to help with weight loss. And I've seen this in a lot of my clients that it doesn't work for a lot of women that women will actually resist weight loss and will maybe even gain weight when they try to go mm-hmm. too low mm-hmm. carb, which makes sense because your body, you know, is fearful what's happening. It's stressful and wants to hold on to fat instead of letting it go. And so I've had patients experiment that, oh, 120 grams of carbs is their sweet spot, especially when they're actively exercising and trying to build muscle. And for others, it's 50 grams of carbohydrates on the lower end. And so there isn't this linear approach to carbs. It's really finding that sweet spot of what works for you. And it's not just taking weight loss into consideration. It's also, well, how's your energy and how's your sleep and how's your libido? Because you might be losing weight, but if you're tired all the time and then you're seeing your blood sugar tanks and you're waking up throughout the night, then what kind of quality of life are you yeah. mm-hmm. living, right? got to find a balance. So, yeah. Yeah. And then I would say the, the other thing when it comes to weight loss, we talked about hormones, diet, exercise, you want to be challenged. And a lot of times when I talk to women and they say, Oh, yeah, I've got an at home gym, and I feel like I'm doing, you know, I'm sore, and I'm doing extra, they're challenging, I have to say that it's always good to outsource that for at least a short period of time to someone who can see, are you really challenging yourself? Are you really doing the right exercises? Because you might not be, you might Mm -hmm. be sore, but maybe the wrong muscles are sore, or maybe they're sore because you're compensating or you're sore because of poor form. And so it's always great. I mean, I, again, I grew up as a semi-professional tennis player and I've always had access to training because I didn't know what I was doing unless someone told me how much to squat, how long to do it for. I wouldn't know what to do. But even nowadays, I outsource my exercise. I'll stick to a program for a little bit and then I go back to my trainer and I'm like, what do I do now? What's the next goal? And so I always have someone take a look at what I'm doing, evaluate my goals, and then build a program around that. And so I always encourage women to invest into their health, um, invest into either a trainer or a group program that they like, and injury prevention becomes key when it comes to building muscle and losing weight because You know, if you get injured because you don't have the flexibility, let's say, or your ligaments and tendons are stiff, then that's going to set you back. And so injury prevention also becomes really important. Amazing. Yeah. So many things. I know. Like my my, my brain is an overload. Like, okay, I need to like readjust. And uh, yeah, me too. I think something I really like is just your holistic approach to if someone comes in with low libido or, you know, hot flashes or weight loss. 
how you look at the entire picture. And I think that your website is really great to be able to educate women on knowing the things to ask and knowing how things can be interrelated because there's so much that it kind of is a big circle. And so I think taking that holistic approach, I really like that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I appreciate it. I've been very fortunate to build my practice around visits that don't have to be rushed that allow me the time. I've had over 20,000 women who've gone through my practice. And each person who comes to my practice, I spend minimum of 45 to 60 minutes with them at a time, which allows me to practice that holistic approach. Mm-hmm. And you have to have time. Mm-hmm. I get to know people's what happens in their lives. I get to know the ins and outs, what's happening in their work what's happening in their personal relationship, what's happening with the other provider that they're seeing, you know, what are they reading before bed? I get to know all these different layers to a person's life so I can build a solid relationship and to get to know the person inside and out, which I think becomes extremely important for a long-lasting and a long-term relationship. But I've been very grateful and fortunate that I was able to step out of that primary care rat race and build my practice on relationships. Yeah, That's really what my practice is built on is whenever someone walks into my practice, I'm focusing on the person Mm -hmm. and making sure that they have a good experience and then that they're taken care of on all levels. And I'm never afraid to refer out. I always refer out if I'm not the expert in that field. If I feel like I'm missing something, because at the end of the day, I'm looking at the person, I want to make sure that they have the best quality of life. And even though I can cover so much in those 45 to 60 minutes, everything from diet to exercise, I mean, my patients walk out with a super comprehensive plan that addresses pretty much all aspects of their health. I'll still refer out if I feel like I didn't address it all. That's amazing. I think it's fantastic that you recognize the need to have those in-depth conversations and not just mask a symptom or do a quick fix, but really get to the heart of, you know, like you said, it could be multidimensional. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be just one thing that they're coming to see you about and just taking the time to get to know and to hear, like I said, the mind, body, and spirit connection, I think is truly such a gift. And we probably need more of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you touched about the, the mind, body and, and the spirit component. What I find interesting, I don't jump into spirituality in my first visit because, you know, especially a lot of times when people come to me, they want to get physical in terms of what's the thing that's causing my issues. But it's pretty beautiful to see how people become more comfortable with you. And then we can have some of those spirituality conversations. I and, bet. Yeah. And it's very interesting. It's, For me, I mean, I've had patients who've been with me for many years and it's only like seven years into our relationship where they start to open up their their spirituality with me and are asking me about my spirituality and my beliefs and kind of what I do on a daily basis to help me feel more connected to spirit or, you know, however, whatever you want to call it. And so, but it's really, you know, it's very fascinating to me when people allow me into that part of their life to have those conversations because we need to talk about spirituality in medicine. Um, it is, we're not just physical beings, we're energetic beings, we're spiritual mm-hmm. beings. And if we just try to put everything into this bucket and poke at things, we're, you know, we're going to miss the big picture. So a lot of my time and a lot of things that I think about is how can I continue to move from this physical experience that people have 
and add spirituality more into my practice because, you know, we do get caught up and I need to feel it, see it, touch it, but then we miss the magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. We really appreciate your time. This has been super interesting and very refreshing. And we will definitely post a link to your website so that our listeners can learn about all the educational tools you have for women. I think it's great. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And I love this conversation that we've had. I wish I was physically in the room. (laughs) We we do too. And if you ever have any other questions or you want to talk about another topic, I'm always happy. I'm always happy to just do a deep dive into any anything that's women's health and hormones or anything else. Thank you, Thank you so, so much because we all need it. We're yes. in this together and uh, yeah, it makes it pretty special. Absolutely. We have to have each other's back. Yes. Absolutely, we do. Thank you. But thank you so much. Thank Take you. care. Bye. I think we're going to have to move to the West Coast. I, I mean, I'm telling you. I was thinking when she was talking, I don't know about you guys, but I was thinking, wow, like you really have to be educated on your provider. Do what they don't do, what they should do. And it's like, I always, you do. You just, you just trust, trust that them. person. Yeah. Well, I was because they're a doctor. When yeah. she said the take a week in course, I see that with cosmetic injectables because mm-hmm. everyone offers it now. Right. And it's so different. You know, people call and ask for like the price per unit. I'm like, my goodness, there are so many more things you should be asking yes. than that. Yes. Than that, yes. you know, instead of, I mean, there's been, I've had, you know, almost 20, going on 20 years now of experience right. and, and the anatomy and everything I've studied. And this is all I do where someone can take a week in class, offer it, say they're an expert and you're not, it's. Every, all providers right. are not equal. Yeah, and so when exactly. she was talking about that, I was like, I feel you. Because you can have it a week in class mm-hmm. and then call yourself an expert. So I think that's I think really what important. we're learning is really being your advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because not all doctors no. are graded mm-hmm. the same. And educating. And yeah. Exactly. And you do have to fight for yourself. You have to gain your own knowledge. Again, not to try and take a place of a doctor. But yeah. I mean, I think we probably, each one of us have had those experiences. I know I have where Mm -hmm. I didn't see the best doctor and I ended up in, you know, bad medical situations Mm -hmm. because I wasn't treated correctly, but not knowing. So that's like the biggest takeaway. And I think just what we're kind of hearing, you know, when we talk to professionals and and Trisha knows is you've got to be your own advocate Mm -hmm. and you've got to... got to do your your research mm-hmm. because it's not always rainbows and unicorns but educating ourselves and just knowing what options are out there it's so hard because as we were talking about even last week like you google things and you're oh, like oh WebMD. this is what i have but there's so many there's just so much to know about your body that you don't know if things are normal and you don't know so just the fact because i know what i'd be like i'm useless for going to the doctor i don't go unless i'm sick but even if i was sick it's a five-minute visit to the doctor. Mm-hmm. I'm not really going to be completely honest, and I know that's on me, but I think if I'm sitting talking to somebody for 45 minutes, eventually they're going to, I'm going to well, warm she's to them. And I'm going to ask very specific exactly. questions exactly. to kind of really get to the root of and it. it is, and she was saying that as well, even down to libido and stuff, like there's so much more of an emotional connection as well. It's uh, There's so much more that goes into Absolutely. everything that we deal with mm-hmm. as women. It's so much more. I mean, I really do feel like it's mind, body, and spirit. Yeah. It's it's just to find a doctor that will be that open and that Mm -hmm. kind and that patient with you, I think is just incredible. Yeah. All right. So I would say cheers. 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 Cheers to another fabulous blessing. Cheers. 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 Cheers.
Cheers. Love you guys. Thank you for joining the ladies of the Middle Age-ish podcast as they journey through the ups and downs of this not young, but definitely not old season of life. To hear past episodes or make suggestions for future episodes, visit www.middleageish.com. That's www.middleageish.com. You can follow along on social media at Middle Ageish. Also, if you have a moment to leave a review, rate, and subscribe, that helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of the Middle Age-ish Podcast.